Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Well, 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 well. Happy New Year's, everybody. It's 2019, and I'm glad to see that you're all here. Even if you're hanging on by a thread, at least you're still dangling somewhere. Mm-hmm. Hope everybody's holidays were well. Ours were pretty good. Had a lot of fun. We did some staycation stuff. Me and Stacy in Pittsburgh. That was a good time, you know, just hanging out in some fancy places, acting like we uh, live a life of luxury all the time. But we 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 really don't. We just kind of treated ourselves for a few days. That was tight. We uh, spent the holidays with her family. Shout out to them. Uh, they got us an air fryer. I've been wanting an air fryer for a long time, which is, you know, pretty funny. I feel like the same feelings that I got when I was a kid opening up a Sony PlayStation and being like, Sony PlayStation. That was kind of like the same feelings that I had opening up the air fryer and just being like, air fryer. Yeah, it was tight. We actually made some breakfast this morning, threw some potatoes in that motherfucker. Good. Air fryers are tight. Highly recommended, especially if you like cooking at home and you're kind of lazy. Air fryers are legit for that. Uh, what else is up? So anybody that's a fan of the show is probably familiar with my Uncle Timmy, a.k.a. Aunt Tina. Tina is in Pittsburgh right now, which has been cool. We got to hang out a couple days ago, took him out on the town around to a bunch of places had a blast. It's the first time he's been in Pittsburgh in like 18 years. So it's been a lot of fun having him around. We're actually supposed to hang out again today. So I got to get this podcast done and then go do some fam stuff. He's been spending pretty much all the time that he's been here in Pittsburgh with my mom. And uh, that's that's an odd situation. I haven't, I haven't spoke to my mom for quite some time. Um, I haven't spoken to her uh since she's uh since tina's been in town um you know that's something that i might need to reckon with and i probably should reckon with here coming up in the near future but uh that has nothing to do with right here or right now in the podcast so uh we'll just push all that awkwardness to the side and we'll keep going with the show (laughs) upcoming dates and events all right, so January 4th, this Friday, I'm going to be DJing at Spirit for First Friday. There's going to be visual art from Nathan Hufford, plus musical performances from my friends in Harkin, Bat Zupel, an old game. It's a free event, 9 p.m. Come on out. The day after that, January 5th, we're going to be out in Claire NPA. That's with Gray Walker at the Valley Hotel, playing with Oceans to Ash, Prime 8, and burned that's also a free show also starts at 9 p.m and then the week after that i'm going to be back at spirit on january 11th djing again for bubble pop which is an international pop new wave and disco event 
So if that's your thing and, you know, heavy metal shows aren't your thing, come out to that. But if heavy metal shows are your thing and something like Bubble Pops also your thing, feel free to come out and say hi to me so I can meet more people that are into like the same weird shit that I am. That would be cool. And then the day after that, January 12th, Grey Walker is going to be at the new Black Forge in McKee's Rocks playing with Whorehound, Winner's Descent, and Arch Rivals. That is 10 bucks at the door, starts at 7 p.m. And then at the end of the month, one thing I do want to shout out, January 25th, I'm going to be doing a live episode of Start the Beat with Sykes for as part of Podcast Night at the Toma. And this is going to be a DIY podcast event featuring four live podcast recordings, my show, Thrifty, Ghoul on Ghoul, and Neon Brainiacs will all be in the house that night. Literally, it is a house. And if you are interested in coming out to this event, slide in my DMs and let me know. Or just go on Facebook and search for Podcast Night at the Toma. This is being all put together by Toddy of the Thrifty Podcast. Speaking of which, I'm actually going to drop an ad for them now. And then we're going to move forward into the episode. Yeah. Hey, new friends. I'm Toddy Tondera, host of Thrifty Podcast. I scour secondhand stores searching for interesting artifacts, useful unusuals, trendy trinkets, cool collectibles, and good garbage. Each week, I take a guest secondhand shopping with me. After we gather a juicy, juicy thrift haul, we record an episode based on our findings. You could find the show at thriftypodcast.com and subscribe and stream wherever it is you download your podcast from. I'm sentimentally attached to things you have forgotten. It's time for you to join the Roach Army and get thrifty. And that's the Thrifty Podcast. Well, an advertisement for it anyways. Highly recommend checking that out. Definitely want to dig into uh, Neon Brainiacs and Ghoul on Ghoul as well. If you are free on January 25th, come out. Let us know. It's definitely, you know, this is the first time that Toddy's trying to put something together like this. And the first time I think a lot of us are being involved in something like this. So if you're interested in podcasts, we definitely want you there so we can, you know, help curate something and try to make it a little bit bigger and cooler and you know give more people that are doing this kind of weird shit that we're doing an interesting platform to you know be more uh engaged with people on a face-to-face level and not so much you know behind our microphones and our computer screens and camera lenses and whatnot you know meet in person yeah it's fun human interaction it's not so bad i promise Mm, yeah okay anyways uh last week on the show we had my friend sid riggs for a part one of two conversation got a lot of cool feedback about that episode if you didn't check it out and you're somebody that's into if you are a musician i should say and uh you're in a band that's just trying to you know figure out your direction what exactly you want to be doing as a band what you want to be doing as a brand what you want, like just how you want to market yourselves and figuring out your goals and all that stuff. It's a really cool conversation for, uh, you know, tingling the brain parts, you know, that uh, might help you figure some of that stuff out. I don't even know. Does that make sense? 
listen to the episode if any of that sounds good. Highly recommended. Part two is probably going to be coming next week. This week I'm here. Solo. Dolo. Baby. And uh, going to do a lot of just like fan questions and listener questions. I assume they're fans. I don't want to, uh, you know, impose anything. But uh, some people sent in some questions and I'm going to answer them this week. That's what we're doing this week on Start the Beat questions. Everybody's got questions. Hopefully, I have the answers. Let's dig into it. This seems like a pretty good question to start things off here. Louis Snyder, what are your personal goals in 2019? Or is time a concept to you and from 2019 to 220 non-existent in quantum physics? I have goals for 2019. I think they wouldn't be much more, much, 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 much more different than my goals of any other year. Just want to be a little bit more prolific with music, hopefully not spend so much time on other bullshit. Uh, Just putting out art. I would like to draw more if I could, you know, convince myself to make time for it and just put out actual music not you know not be distracted so much with uh the promotions and the branding and marketing and all that stuff because uh i put a lot of time into that and uh to be fully transparent i don't know i don't know how much it's helped i kind of feel like it's nothing's really changed everything's good i'm in a solid and happy place but i do wish that maybe i would have spent some of that time that I had focused so much energy into uh, marketing, I guess is the best way of putting it, that I would have just said, fuck it, and just, you know, kept on making beats and shit like that. But I got a whole lot of new stuff already that I'm working on. So there's going to be a lot of music coming from me this year and uh, looking forward to it. So those are my goals. That and Disney World, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Koch. Kevin. Dude, Kevin, I'm sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. You've even been on the show. I'm just... We're going to go with Koch. If it's wrong, feel free to send a bomb in the mail or something. Tent or cavern? Which would you live in if you had to choose? Solid question, Kevin. Caverns are pretty fucking cold and damp. And if there's two things that I don't really dig in life, it's being like cold and or damp but with that being said tents can also be pretty cold and damp but i think with a tent i might have more flexibility of you know controlling situations because the only way that a cavern would even be reasonably livable is if you put a tent in the motherfucker and if i had to choose one or the other i'd probably just choose the tent because then i could at least put the tent in a nice climate somewhere outside assuming i have control of where said tent goes if we're talking pittsburgh i don't know i might have to go cavern if we're talking pittsburgh maybe maybe i don't know it's a good question i think the geographical location of said tent or cavern is really the determining factor in this so maybe kevin get back to me and let me know what you're thinking about the location and then i'll get back to you Julia Mulligan asks, definitely incorporate a foodie element. 
top 10 restaurants of 2018? Question mark. Well, Julia, first thing that I could think of, and me and Stacy were talking about this, would actually be Sushi Tomo, which you and Jerry took us to for the first time. Granted, that place has been on McKnight Road forever and I've drove past it probably hundreds of times, but we had never gone. You took us. We enjoyed it. We've actually been there a few times since we all ate together there earlier this year. And uh, I, I like that place. It's a good sushi place close to the house. So macho appreciated. Thanks for that. Some other ones that come to mind really quick would be Bebe's Kitchen downtown, which is a really cool Korean spot. The Commoner, which is also downtown inside of the Hotel Monaco. Yuzu Kitchen which is over, I think that would be uh, Liberty downtown, or is that Wood Street? Maybe that's Wood. I think it's on Wood Street downtown. And uh, Valiant's Diner out in the North Hills. Those are all just a few places that come to mind that I had never been to before, or me, me and Stacy had never been to prior to 2018 that we all really enjoyed. Uh, it's hard for us to find new places in the city to eat just because of our diets and whatnot and uh we've also been eating in a lot more than usual so i would say we definitely ate out more than we probably should have this year but it was probably mostly at places that we've already been to dozens of times you know shout outs to uh Noodlehead and mad max and Burlo box and pairing the pickle of course uh yeah there's there's plenty of good places to check out but if you don't I would say if you don't get to eat out a whole lot, you're and you live in Pittsburgh, there's you have a there's a shit ton of options. But those are just a few that come to mind that were new for us in 2018. I'm sure there are more. Uh, one place that was completely terrible that we went to would be Chula over in East Liberty. Uh, that was a, a really bad experience. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a second chance sometime when I'm feeling brave enough, but. Our first time there was was fucking dog shit. Yeah. Troy Johnson asks, shout out to Troy, one half of Abstract Theory, or one third, I suppose, if you include the DJ. Anyways, uh, best hip-hop albums of 2018. This is a tough question for me, Troy, because to be honest with you, I didn't engage with a whole lot of music at all this year especially hip-hop it wasn't intentional i was just caught up in a lot of studio projects and i just wasn't really engaging with a whole lot of music this year i was i listened to like probably more podcasts this year than ever before in my life and uh put out a lot of music this year too uh i was just i was just a little disconnected and a lot of the music that i did listen to was like a lot of like rock music i actually did a whole podcast on my top 10 albums of 2018 a couple weeks ago that you could check out if you're interested and the only hip-hop album that was actually on that list would have been the scallops hotel project uh sovereign those of your arrogant face i really like that record a lot there was a whole lot of like singles that came out this year um from artists that if they had dropped full albums they probably would have been up there little sims is one that comes to mind uh female mc uk uh stuff is awesome i really like the uh her songwriting's really catchy the b 
Beat Selections production is really good. If you're not familiar with Little Sims, I would check that out. Um, Aesop Rock dropped some cool stuff this year. There was like a single plus like the Malibu Ken stuff that he dropped with tobacco. All that stuff I am really enjoying and I'm looking forward to hearing more of that whenever it happens to come out. If it hasn't already come out, I'm really bad at keeping up with things. So maybe the whole thing's out. I don't know. Um, there was that... Um, Guilty Simpson and Recognize Real collaborative project. It's called Card from Stone. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, there's a there's a track called The Whole World's My Ashtray. Uh, that song, that's a really good track off that. That whole project is really cool. I haven't like dug into it enough to like really like, you know, vouch for the entire thing. But everything I've heard from it so far is really tight. Um, and then there's like, you know, some more like instrumental uh driven stuff or stuff from instrumental producers like preview 73 dropped some more stuff this year that was really good arms and sleepers put out a project uh in 2017 their uh life is everywhere project was on my top 10 find the right place which i think that's the name of the project they put out this year um it actually wasn't so hip-hop driven there's definitely like hip-hop elements to it for sure but there's also a lot of other sounds that are in it it's a lot more um, it's a good project, but it it just didn't. I honestly just didn't spend enough time with it to like really uh, include it in any sort of a top ten. But in terms of hip hop in 2018 that I engaged with and I liked, that's those are a few things: uh, Scallops Hotel, Little Sims, Aesop Rock, Malibu Ken, Guilty Simpson, Rec- Recognize Real, Prefuse 73, Arms and Sleepers. Check any of that stuff out if you're not familiar. That's all I have to say about that. Moving forward, this is actually a pretty cool question that kind of relates to the last one in terms of my response to how I have engaged with music over the past year and the kinds of music that I choose to listen to. John Knoll asks, what are some genres of music that you've always loved but never took the chance to write slash create yet? If you were to do so in 2019, how would you go about motivating yourself to try something new? Who would you like to collaborate with as an artist next year? I could go on and on with these, homie. Yeah, I guess I didn't really pay too much attention before reading this. This was actually like seven different questions. <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, let's break this down. What are some genres of music that you've always loved but never took the chance to write slash create yet? Uh, I got to be completely honest with you, John. There, I don't know if there is anything left. I'm pretty sure I've done pretty much every type of music that i enjoy on some level i've i've made something over the course of time um i mean i would say like probably like the more like there was like that whole like big synth wave craze that kind of happened over the past few years i never took the time to really do anything like that but i also didn't like feel compelled to uh do it uh it's just in my like high school days i did a lot more um electronica drum and bass kind of like gothy sounding electronic stuff I'm not saying that like synthwave is gothy but um the processes and the songwriting is pretty similar to me and uh that's just something that I'm not like super duper passionate about creating but I enjoy listening to it there's a lot of music that I like listening to because I actually don't create it and it makes me enjoy it more which is a big part of the reason why like for example i didn't engage with a whole lot of hip-hop 
in 2018 because I was trying to put together this Sykes album and it's really hard for me to be like working on hip hop shit all the time and then listen to a bunch of hip hop shit and then just hip hop hit. It's like I kind of need like contrast. So there are times with like, you know, we're real heavy into like writing with Grey Walker and stuff like that where I'm probably indulging a lot more in like hip hop or pop driven stuff or maybe even like indie rock and shit like that and then on the flip when i'm doing nothing but working on psych stuff and it's all hip-hop 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 i'm like listening to a shit ton of metal and more hard rock it's just the way i balance things out um some other questions you had here if you were to do so in 2019 meaning you know working on genres of music that i never took the chance how would i go about motivating yourself to try something new again there's not a whole lot of stuff that I haven't already done at some point, but I don't feel that the motivation to try something new is any different than the motivation for anything else, at least for me. Because uh, no matter what, even if it's you know a genre of music or something I've already done before, I feel like I'm always trying to challenge myself to do something different within that genre. Um, for example, with the Sykes album, this was the first time with the band that we did a whole lot of like sample heavy stuff and playing with a lot of sounds and pulling from eras that uh, we typically hadn't worked in before. So that was new. It was like the same thing, but just incorporating new elements into it. And there was really nothing that motivated me to do that other than just wanting to do it. Uh, I just kind of have a personality, I guess if I get an idea in my head, um, I just figure out how to do it and just start working on it. Uh, I guess my motivation is just, uh, time, I suppose. And, uh, realizing that you never know how much you have on this rock that we're all spinning on. So if I get an idea and I have the resources to make it happen, I just start working on it immediately. If I don't have the resources, then it's just a matter of thinking about, you know, what do I need to do to acquire those resources and make that my main focus? And then once I get the resources, then I could shift to, you know, making my dreams become reality. Mm. What else did you ask me, John? Mr. 25 question, Noel. Uh, who would you like to collaborate with as an artist next year? There's actually um, this was something I've been wanting to do for a while. I'm hoping I can make the time to do it. I want to put out um, a Sykes project that isn't necessarily a Sykes and a New Violence project, but maybe even if it is Sykes and a New Violence, I want to do some stuff where I get some of my friends that are MCs to be a part of the project. Um, because, you know, all of the Sykes and New Violence stuff, it's just me and Mandy vocally. Uh, it would be really cool to, you know, collaborate with some other of my friends that I have in the, in the hip hop scene here. And, you know, get some cool posse cuts or something or just like, you know, some tracks with some different voices on it. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if it will work so much for sex and a new violence, but uh, maybe, I don't know. In general, I would just like to work with some other MCs that I know this year for sure. And uh, I mean, there's always like stuff that's kind of happening behind the scenes and a lot of it never even sees the light of day. Um, just linking up and working on projects with random friends, just, you know, more as like brain exercises and just messing around with different sounds. I feel like it's really important for me 
to do stuff because I just want to do it. Not because there's this crazy end goal where it's like, Oh, I'm writing this song because I'm going to release it and because I want people to listen to it and I want it to do good on YouTube or something like that. I mean that those are, you know, good reasons to write songs, but there's also a lot of fun in doing something, knowing that, you know, it's just completely for yourself or whoever you're working on it with. And it's just like, uh, you know, just brain exercising and just, putting together cool little songs and just uh, having like a, a a social in life moment without all that extra baggage of like, well, you know, is this part going to translate well with the target demographic that we're trying to reach and blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. So maybe you'll see some stuff from maybe some more stuff from me and Nathan King. Um, we've been chatting about doing some stuff together. Maybe you'll see some stuff from me and uh, some other uh, electronic music producers in the area. There are a couple people I've been working on like collaboration things with. Like I mentioned, uh, maybe we'll release some of that stuff. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm always working on something. So, yeah. This is a hot topic from uh, my boy uh, Basic Sickness over here. How do you feel about the rap rock genre being looked at as such a joke when you put so much time and effort into it? This is a pretty interesting question uh, because to be completely honest with you, I kind of feel like no matter what I've done musically, like from high school up until now, I kind of feel like it's always been looked at as a joke by some demographic of people, not everybody, but it's just, it kind of goes back to that statement where you can't please everybody. And, you know, uh, one person's trash is another person's treasure. You know I mean? It's like, I just have, you know, the reality of the situation is it's like, you know, the music that I think sticks with a lot of people the most is the stuff that they, you know, that kind of hit them in their their teenage years and it's like really hard to scrub that stuff away and for me it was a lot of like the new metal and the rap rock stuff and then when i started making beats and making songs and things like that you know what the fuck do you think i was listening to that's the stuff i was listening to you know i was listening to a shit ton of mindless self-indulgence and lincoln park and rage against the machine and like early gorillas not too long after that and then you know you keep on going down the line and all that stuff really shaped kind of like what i'm still doing as an artist um you know i don't feel like i feel like the rap rock genre might be looked at as a joke uh you know by some people but those are just people that you know my music isn't for and i'm like totally comfortable with the fact of knowing that anything that i do there's always gonna be somebody that doesn't like it you know i've i've mentioned this before but i used to work at taco bell when i was 16 it was like my first job ever and uh that was right around the time that i was you know really getting into making music actually i mean i i bought my electribe es1 um sequencer with my like first two paychecks that i saved up from taco bell and that was like the first piece of like outboard gear that i had because before that it was all like computer shit 
anyways, somebody that I worked with there knew that I made music and we talked about it every once in a while. And like, you know, I had this question then, um, not so specifically to rap rock, but just the question of, you know, what if people don't like what I'm doing? And the thing that he said to me that always stuck was like, bro, there are people that don't like the Beatles. And you're like, what else do you have to say? Because I mean, I don't like the Beatles. Well, I didn't at the time. I have a little bit more respect for it now. I get it more. But at the time when I was fucking 16, I couldn't give a fuck less about the Beatles. And I was like, you're right. A lot of people like the Beatles, but I don't. So there's probably going to be people that like the shit that I'm doing, but there might be people that don't like it too. And that's fine. You know, I feel like anytime somebody tries to make music for everybody, it ends up just sounding like nothing. It sounds like, you know, you end up sounding like 21 Pilots which <laughs> nothing against them. I think they have a lot of potential and I think they're good songwriters, but at the same time, it's like, you know, they, they, I think they, in the production standpoint, you know, in terms of like how they end up recording all of their songs and the way it, it all gets treated. It's like, they're really trying to make music literally for everybody. And it just sounds like nothing, you know, there it's, there's always parts of 21 pilots that I feel like could either be like a little bit grittier or or a little bit nicer or a little bit groovier or this, you know, this or that, but it's like they, they, they do a really good job. Don't get me wrong. The motherfuckers, you know, they sell out shows constantly and they're a really big band. Like they do a really good job at pleasing everyone. But to my particular eardrums, it's like very obvious what they're trying to do is make everybody happy. And the end result is a sound that I'm not particularly interested in creating. You know, if that's their thing or anybody else's thing, you know, they want to make something for everybody more power to them. But you know, that's just not me. So for anybody that feels that like, you know what I do, I don't even necessarily feel like what I do is like 100% rap rock, but I guess it kind of is. I mean, it has been in the past. I don't know if it is so much anymore with, uh, you know, the way things have evolved. But either you like it or you don't, you know, because I feel like at the end of the day, like I have to live with myself and, you know, the the voices in, in my head that, you know, tell me, you know, what I should do and like whatever it is in my head that helps me write the music that I write. Right. And it's not those voices don't come from anybody else. That's all me. So as long as I'm making myself happy and I'm doing stuff that I think is dope and then that's, that's really it. Either you're along for the ride or you're not, you know what I mean? Like if I was super interested in making music for other people or trying to make shit that would make everybody happy. I mean, like I, I, I don't know if being a musician is how it would choose to do that because i feel like at that point it's more of a monetary thing and it's no surprise to anybody or it shouldn't be any surprise to anybody that you know making music right now is not the easiest way to make money or do anything monetarily successful uh so man i'm rambling uh what was my point that i was trying to make brian jesus christ uh i just do shit for myself i guess that that's the answer so you know People can feel however the fuck they want to feel about it. Either you're into it or you're not. You know what I mean? Because I do this shit for me. You know, I do it because it makes me feel good. I do it because it's a way for me to like hang out with my friends. 
do some dope shit and you know meet some cool people even if i'm not you know playing to the biggest crowds or things aren't going so well uh on a on a grand scheme of things you know what i mean i'm certainly no 21 fucking pilots but uh i'm happy (laughs) uh reasonably you know uh so how much more should my selfish ass really ask for out of life other than you know to to be happy and and thankful for what i have and what i've built for myself to this point so you know i keep pushing people and people are people are into it they are if they're not they're not mike steinmiller asks how can bands incorporate new technology to make live shows more immersive huh you know it's interesting this is an interesting question uh and I think the thing that comes to mind immediately for me that's interesting about this is that you're asking how bands can incorporate new technology to make live shows more immersive. I um and I'm relating this directly to stuff that I see and stuff that I've been doing with shows. Um, for example, uh, with Sykes and the New Violence, uh, we're doing a lot of stuff with uh projections and things like that but i mean we're using a projector that's easily like 10 or 15 years old so that's not new technology uh (laughs) another thing that comes to mind that i always think is really funny is like for gray walker shows and psych shows at the merch table i have our prices for everything like on an ipad with a like a music video behind it so it's like a cool little moving screen on the table and it's very eye catching. And there are a lot of people that are like, oh, wow, that's really fancy. And then at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, this is an this this iPad's 10 years old. This technology is not new that we're using, but we're still doing things that supposedly people have never seen anybody really do before. And so the way I want to answer your question is that. I don't think it's so much how bands can incorporate new technology. I just think it's just about like how bands can utilize the resources that they have to the, to the fullest extent, because there's already so much shit that we've had at our fingertips for a very long time. But I think it's just about having the, the imagination to like do something with it and just have like allowing yourself to even think about, stuff outside of the typical like oh well we got to take our gear to the show and we got to set it up and then we're going to play and then we're going to tear it down and we're going to leave you know there's a lot more that you can do with shows if anything i think like maybe like a focus on eliminating technology to make a truly immersive experience is maybe something that we all could focus on we all know people staring at their cell phones it shows all the time is a bit of an issue. Uh, you know, what other technologies? Are we talking like some AI stuff? Like, I don't know. I feel like you're seeing a lot of performers, like bigger performers that are kind of like starting to do these like no cell phone policies at shows and things like that. And I think it's not so much because they want, they don't want like video footage of themselves being leaked onto the internet. I'm sure that's a small part of it, but I think a bigger part of it is because I think like, if you incorporate too much technology into a live performance, it actually takes away from it. I think there's something about that the the human contact of 
you know, a face-to-face performance. Like we're all in this room together and we're going to do this thing in person, live in front of you. Just like, whereas like, I think like, I don't know what you can really do with technology outside of some simple things that have already been around forever that you could like use to make a show more immersive. Nothing's coming to mind immediately for me. Maybe, you know, my brain's just not tapped into the level of creativity that maybe like where you're thinking. But um, I mean, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm speaking as if I'm talking directly to Mike right now. But for anybody that doesn't know Mike, Mike plays in a band called Arcane Haven and they are a they're a metal band. So when I think about like what something like what would a band like Arcane Haven, for example, need to do to make a show more immersive, like outside of like maybe some cool lights and stuff like that. I don't know what you could do that just wouldn't be like gimmicky and weird and throw people off because people are coming to see live metal music or just anything like in that anything in that rock spectrum they're coming because they just want to see some fucking people on stage you know performing their asses off that that human element they want to get you know they want to move around in the crowd jump around maybe mosh around a little bit if that's their thing you know and like you don't need technology for those things but if you're an artist like maybe like with sykes and new violence or, you know, shout outs to my friends in Spish that are a really cool, like experimental indie rockish band here in Pittsburgh that do a lot of like outside the box stuff with their live performances as well. You know, you can you can do some stuff like maybe like projection projections or um, not even necessarily technology, but just like weird props and things like that. Um, I don't know. It's like, well, you know, like, what do you want? Like. I think that, you know, we're sometimes, you know, we're always thinking about, you know, uh, like, what's the new thing we could do to make things better? But I think that maybe um, sometimes less is more, you know, pull some things out. It's almost like, uh, like, say you're mixing a song, uh, audio engineering, you know what I mean? If like, chances are most of the time, if something doesn't seem loud enough in the mix, it doesn't need turned up. Other things need turned down. You know what I mean? So maybe if you're feeling that like, you know, like live shows aren't immersive enough, maybe there's just some things that need to be stripped away. You know, maybe start encouraging, you know, people to do a no cell phone policy at your shows, which seems completely ridiculous for like a local thing. Um, or just uh I don't know, find ways to just engage with the audience on a human level. You know, don't rely so much on technology to do something that, you know, bands should be do that you should be able to do anyways. Cause I feel like no matter what, no matter what genre of music you're playing and no matter how cool the technology you have around you is on show on stage, like if you don't have good material and you can't perform well and connect with the crowd, like, one-on-one without all of the extra shit you're gonna be fucked to begin with so i don't know it's it's a difficult question to answer but my thing would be uh you know just think about you know the what what kind of a live show you want to put on and if you know technology is a thing you want to get into like maybe you want to fucking you know have some screen set up on stage and you know, have some fucking GoPros 
mounted to your fucking gear and then have the the footage from the GoPros projecting onto the screens. You could do that really fucking easily. That's something you could have fucking done like eight years ago. So these aren't new technologies. It's just a matter of taking a look at the resources that you have around you and uh, I don't know, getting fucking creative. Do something wild if you want or don't. I don't know. That's my answer to that. Mm -hmm. Austin asks, do you think artists today ruin opportunity to expand by limiting their reach to the same local venues if they have touring quality and accessibility? I mean, yeah, I guess. Absolutely. That's probably not any different than it's ever been, though. You know, uh, there's nothing particularly like 2019 about uh, artists ruining the opportunity to expand by, you know, not leaving their town. But I think the deeper question here is really the only way that an artist or a band or whatever can expand their reach is if they, you know, genuinely want to do it, if they give a shit about it and put themselves out there enough. I mean, it also depends on genre of music, too, because there are plenty of artists that, you know, blow up on just a YouTube thing. I mean, a lot of the time, those artists tend to be kind of temporary. You know, you get a lot of like rappers in that realm, or a lot of the time you get kind of like artists that are just like, uh, they're really talented, but they blow up because they're like doing like sick covers on YouTube or something like that. And then like, you know, then they try to take that on tour and it doesn't work out for them. <laughs> I've seen that happen before where like you get, you know, a lot of SoundCloud. I don't even want to say SoundCloud rappers, but that's such an easy thing to say now. But you get a lot of like YouTube famous like like sensations that just aren't built for touring. So taking their stuff on the road. I mean, it kind of fizzles out just because that shit's really temporary. But then on the flip of that, you get, you know, artists that, you know, maybe are super, really like super fucking awesome live local bands, but they just don't, they don't get outside of town. You know, maybe it's, you know, it's either because they don't want to do it or they just don't have the resources. Um, you know, if you don't want to do it, there are plenty of people that are totally content, you know, with whatever reach they have obviously you know they are hurting themselves by not leaving town uh but if they don't give a shit then they don't give a shit so you know whatever if they're if they're happy doing what they're doing they're doing it and then you know the flip of it too is like maybe somebody wants maybe a band really really wants the fucking tour but they just don't have the resources and that's that's a really shitty situation you know like whether those resources being money uh, to get on the road or transportation to get them around or, you know, reliable connections to, you know, get shows in different areas of the country or the world or whatever. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And uh, there's uh, a lot to consider. But um, in general, just to answer the question, you know, do I think artists today ruin opportunity to expand by limiting their reach to the same local venues if they have touring quality and accessibility absolutely absolutely but the other thing you just need to consider is you know maybe if they're happy where they're at then they're happy where they're at um if they need to pull together more resources to make it happen then 
hey, you know, if they're your homies, support them, you know, buy their merch, go see them, check out their fucking, you know, watch their fucking shit on YouTube or on the Internet or on Spotify or whatever. Share it around. Help spread the word, because honestly, like a band can really only do so much for themselves. It kind of gets to a point where no matter what, an artist needs a reliable and supportive fan base to help, you know, spread the seed if you will of that you know around so if you have anybody in particular that you're thinking you know is like they want to tour or they want to get out more than they are but it isn't happening for them and you're like wondering why it's not happening for them but at the same time you're not helping them by you know sharing their shit around and stuff like that then i don't want to say you're part of the problem because that sounds a little bit like i'm attacking you but hey, you know, do your part, help encourage them and to do some stuff because whenever bands I think see you know their friends and maybe even people they don't know like well actually I'll say this whenever bands see their friends sharing their stuff around on the internet or coming out to shows and buying merch and shit like that it's like super encouraging and then if it gets to a point where you know strangers start coming out to shows and they start sharing their stuff because you know you shared something and now your friends are sharing it and their friends are sharing it i mean it's kind of like a dream scenario domino effect thing but it does happen i've seen it happen so uh yeah i would definitely say as a, a fan or a listener of music or a supporter of independent art it's really important that you know you do your part too to help give these bands a platform and like, you know, the encouragement to let them know that it is a possibility to take that next step. Um, but then again, you know, if a band genuinely doesn't want to take that step, they might not take it regardless of the support that's surrounding them. And then even still, there are bands that I've seen that have, you know, no fucking support here that say fuck it and get off their ass and make it work somehow for themselves. And they play all over the place but i think a lot of it too has to deal with the genre of music you're doing there are more there are some genres of music that i think cater better to you know that like super diy touring lifestyle you know what i mean like if you are a for example if you're a solo artist it's super easy for you to just get out on the road and say fuck it because you know your all your costs are so much more minimal the risk is so much lower and there's a lot more opportunity for you to like, you know, worst case scenario, maybe you can jump on a fucking open mic somewhere in whatever random town you're in, you know, or you could, you know, it's easy for you to play like a house show or something like that. Whereas like, say you are a, a seven piece metal band, uh, you know, where things always need to be loud and you got a lot of people, which means you got a big vehicle and a lot of people to feed, you know, that's, that can be really complicated. So a lot of it too just has to deal with like the unit of people that you are traveling with, uh, the style of music that you are playing, because obviously too, again, with metal, there's significantly less like house shows for big, loud metal bands than there are house shows for like, uh, like solo acoustic acts or, um, even like rap acts, um, like DIY hip hop stuff, because it's like volume contained, uh, if that makes any sense. There's a, a shit ton of factors. And the short answer is Austin. Yes, I totally think artists are ruining it. 
but I also wouldn't always put the blame on the artist 100% of the time for that. Yeah. And that's pretty much going to be it here for the the questions this week. I had one more question that's going to kind of tie into, uh, I suppose, the, uh, the future of the show here. Ryan Palastro asks, live stream? Question mark. Uh, well, I already told Ryan this, but no. Uh, <laughs> obviously, this is not a live stream. But it is something that I'm not necessarily against doing, maybe in the future. So... Let me know if you would give a shit about me doing a live stream. Uh, I would definitely need a lot of people to be engaged in order for it to be uh, successful. I don't want to just be on a live stream with like me and three other motherfuckers. You know, it's like, why, why even bother recording that? At that point, we might as well just like all hang out in person. Like, why are we doing it on the Internet? You know, but we can get like you know, a couple dozen motherfuckers together and like really, you know, cause a ruckus. Then we got a party. Then it's worth doing. So uh, let me know if you're interested in it. And, uh, you know, some things that I had brought up last week in terms of, um, you know, looking for local music submissions for the shows so I can like have some background music that isn't just music I've made. I'm totally down to do that and shout out your bands. I just need you to send me some stuff. I'm not going to go around messaging people personally asking for music. I don't got the time for that. So if you want to be involved, just shoot me a message. Send me some MP3s or whatever. Um, the other things that I had, I'm still interested in is like, hey, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, uh, you know, aka giving me money for me to uh, help promote your product on my platform, if you feel like this is a viable source for potential clients or customers for whatever it is you do, let me know. I'm not totally against that. And, uh, you know, the other thing I was talking about was whether or not maybe I should start a Patreon page for the podcast. Nobody got back to me on that. So I'm assuming nobody gives a shit. But hey, whatever. I don't know. Maybe maybe I, I the thing that I tend to find, which I find really silly, is I will I could post things and people engage with them and people talk to me in person about stuff. But when it comes to just like leaving a fucking comment on something, a lot of you people were just like hiding in the shadows and I see you in person and you're like, oh yeah, that thing. I think that's a good idea. Or I like that thing you're doing and I appreciate it. But you know, I'm I'm no less of a, of a victim to the need for instant gratification than anybody else these days. So if you're thinking something, leave it in the comments. Don't wait until three months from now when you happen to run into me at like fucking Bob's Discount Furniture or wherever random place I happen to run into you at. Okay, let me know now in the comments or shoot me a fucking text message or a message on Facebook or an email. Write me a letter. I don't give a shit if you know my address, whatever. Just let me know what you think. And um, that's all, folks. That's going to be it. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2019. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for listening.